You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! One last thing, because I realized I didn't do it at the beginning, is could I just have you all um, introduce yourselves real quick so p- listeners can distinguish your voices, and I'll throw it back at the start of the episode. <laughs> hey, my name is Courtney. <laughs> my name is also Courtney. Whoa. Whoa. I thought I was Courtney. Oh, we're all Courtney. <laughs> okay, seriously. <laughs> uh, I'm Sarah Rose, I'm the vocalist in the band. I'm Susie, and I'm the violinist and screamer. <laughs> oh, I am uh, Courtney, and I play the viola. I'm Keenan, and I play the guitar and some background vocals. I'm Beth. I play keyboards and do some background vocals. I'm Maddox. I'm fashionably late, and I play the bass. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any more members. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I was trying to... <laughs> With the way our music sounds, like we could literally have 50 members, honestly. What have you been working on now? Uh, well, we, uh, we were recording a record uh, a few months ago in Cleveland with uh, Jim Work. Uh, that's going to be released in the next couple of months. Um, so that's, that's in the works. And we have a, another music video that we're working on uh, mm-hmm. and another single that's going to be dropping pretty soon. And we're going on tour in April uh, to a few dates uh, up the East Coast. Oh, nice, nice. And um, I know when I was like, you know, doing some research, reading some of the interviews that you'd done, um, you mentioned how uh, Red Hot and Holy um, was kind of like originally um, a bunch of different separate singles that ended up um, coming together to make the album. Um, You mentioned that you're... you already recorded um the next stuff i'm curious if how that stuff came together yeah it was uh, very different than the red hot and holy experience in a lot of different ways so when we were recording red hot and holy um we didn't really know at first that we were making an album we were just sort of making songs and seeing where the process went uh the entire album i think probably took us about a year to record just because we were doing it sort of whenever we had time to hit the studio and, and put a song together uh, for, for this album that we just finished, uh, that was done, really, we wrote the album within the period of a month and recorded it all within a period of about uh, three weeks. So, <laughs> oh, wow. so very different process. Yeah, very, very um, different. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, and now that you're kind of, you know, it, th- through the early stages of that, um, how does it kind of like, how, how do you feel compared to how you felt um you know, this time after Red Hot Holy was done? You know, it's a lot closer to, um, the first LP we ever made was an independent thing. It's not on the, it's not on the label. It was very rough and tumble in the way that we did, you know, it was live drums. It was do all the tracking for the bass in two days. And, you know, it was, it was a little rougher. It was a little less polished, but it has more of a live band feel. I'd say this new record is closer to that. It's closer to strange doings uh, in that uh, spiritual way yeah definitely that that makes sense um 
and as um a lot like your music and the band as a whole kind of have like the a strong like theatrical feel um and i'm curious how it kind of has been for you um recording on a more like diy level when it's kind of like your your music kind of begs to you know you, you can't really uh pass it off with like a lo-fi bedroom recording like some artists can yeah yeah it's uh we have a sort of a unique perspective because we're certainly on a label that i think you know they, they have a lot of lo-fi sort of indie pop acts which are awesome i mean we love the bands that we're label mates with yeah um but yeah, we're, we're a little bit interesting because it's sort of hard. You can't really just stick us in a garage and put one mic up and, and hope for the best, you know, where we require a little bit more fine tuning. So, you know, I think that every album, every recording experience is, is sort of a lesson in how to do what we do more fluidly yeah. and uh, do it in a way that, that goes quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Red Hot and Holy, a lot of people don't know this, it was made in one room. So, uh and we made it sound pretty big, regardless. <laughs> For <of that>. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that in a lot of ways, like building on what Keenan was saying, our experience doing Strange Doings in the Night, which was definitely a more like band in a room kind of record, we could draw from that experience with this new album and say like, well, what lessons did we learn from Red Hot and Holy? And what lessons did we learn from Strange Doings? And, and how can we apply it to this experience? And I think... Uh, I think people will see that as kind of a, a unique combination of the two. Mm-hmm. I guess kind of going to the overall um, feel of the band, like the kind of, you know, darker, like jazzy cabaret type feel um, kind of mixed with, you know, like some of the, like the 2000s pop stuff, kind of like Panic of the Disco or the Hush Sound, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, I'm curious though, like how you came to that, like the bass, like, um, like the cabaret sound and style, was that more from like the genuine roots or from bands who are kind of like more of our generation who also found influence in those? Well, first of all, nothing we do is genuine. So <laughs> that's right, right out of the game. Um, no. Just like yeah. gay frogs and birds. Gay frogs and birds and us. That's, that's uh, we are next to be future on InfoWars for sure. Um, no, um, no, real talk. I mean, honestly, a lot of um, my aesthetic uh, interests and, and historical interests have always been with the, the cabaret and, and burlesque community. I grew up uh, partially in New Orleans. Orleans. So I was sort of always surrounded by a bunch of jazz clubs, a bunch of really sort of strange alternative burlesque and cabaret communities um, that were sort of also combined with the, the Gulf culture and the Southern culture. Um, so that plays into it. But I mean, also we're a band that has a lot of different diverse backgrounds. Um, you know, oh, Susie yeah. can speak on that. She's she <laughs> plays in the mariachi band. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I literally just came back from a gig. Um, mariachi gig it was kind of creepy though because there was a church thingy but it was almost cold. like i don't know but <laughs> jesus was there well, the, jesus. the founder was there it was the founder's birthday so, uh, um, anyway no but yeah <laughs> i have no idea no but yeah a lot of us um a lot of us really kind of personally um before we even came together i feel like a lot of us had a love of jazz already mm-hmm. cultivating within our own uh, musical space and me personally, you know, I sing it on the side. I studied it. A lot of us here have studied it as well. And it was just really interesting um, when we came together that our backgrounds were so different. You know, I bring a, a Latin background. I'm Mexican and I'm very much about my culture. But a lot of us 
although we had similarities in like what we like, we also bring so many different things to the table. And they somehow work out together. <laughs> Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Like, remember that one time we wrote that song? It was about JFK. Yeah, we, we wrote. There's some songs <laughs> that didn't that, work. That yeah. did not work. <laughs> there's some that, songs that won't. That, that one did. I so. still stand. I still stand behind that. It was brilliant. It was a dance song about the assassination of Dan, JFK. What's? Where's the bad? What's the yeah. bad? <laughs> there's nothing bad. Nothing bad in that. That's a you B side. Me, that, don't you, uh, Scott? Scott agrees, of course. Thank you. Oh, yeah. America, it's time. No, it's not. Though. So. <laughs> it is not too late. Let's do it. Uh, the story. <laughs> but it's it's really fantastic because you know we we all obviously love music, so we have so many different influences that bring that we all bring to the table. I mean, for me, I've been like diving deep into Eurovision lately. I don't know why. I just sparked it. And it's amazing, you know, and I love it. And I can guarantee you that there's probably going to be some Eurovision influences coming in on whatever we write next. You know, with You know what I mean? But to your original point, we tend to go back as, as far back to the originals as we can, yeah. just because those were the people who had an impact that lasted like over a century. So there's there's always still something new to be mined from that inspiration. There's still something to be revived, to be resuscitated. You know, it's it, I think that's where the most fertile ground tends to be. You know, and, and to add to that, I mean, 30s cabaret culture was sort of, in a lot of ways, the original queer punk rock. I mean, there were so many queer voices that that came out of 30s cabaret and burlesque that were prominent queer thinkers and, and artists and visionaries. And um, I think that just being a band of predominantly queer people, we we would be remiss in not, you know, sort of touching on that and, and finding interest in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, def- the like culture and everything around that seems like it would be something that's like super interesting. Like I've um, a lot of the like comedians that I um, follow kind of talk about the kind of um, vaudeville influence on stuff and that stuff is so interesting so i'm sure like all the cabaret type stuff is as well (laughs) yeah um and you were kind of like mentioning a couple minutes ago about um how different everyone's background is i'm curious how you kind of all came to find each other and also how you ended up like finding a cohesive sound together buckle on up scotty all right here we go i was kidnapped (laughs) (laughs) There's to start, and then it's gonna vine from there yeah, very yeah. quickly. <laughs> like, the, the basis is almost here too. Yeah. So yeah, and his story is interesting too. Oh, so it's a whole, it's, everything's a whole thing. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I started this band, uh, believe it or not, as a solo project uh, back in 2015. Uh, I had played in another band for about 10 years prior to to being in this one, and. I wasn't, I guess, ready to stop doing music yet, um, but I had no idea that it was going to explode into what this was. I really didn't have a vision for the band at that point. I just kind of knew I wanted to play music, and I needed to play live shows because I was sort of recording songs by myself. I was playing all the instruments on the original demos and um, just sort of figuring out what I wanted to do next, and Keenan uh, came to me, and I, I had approached him about playing live with me and he was sort of the first person to be like well you should make this into a band i mean this is this is something that's you know worth trying to pursue again so for a while it was just uh it was me and keenan uh playing together with a a bassist that we knew and that was the first sort of year or so of being in the band and that's when we put out the afterlife ep 
Um, that was sort of before we, we knew that we wanted to do like a cabaret thing. There, I think there are sort of shadows of it on the first EP, but, yeah, sure. um, but not necessarily shadows. leaning in. Yeah, no, there, there's shadows is a good way to describe it because it's like yeah. it was almost there. Like it's like peeking in the background of like we want to do something with this. Yeah. But like you can tell it's still in its early stages and like it kind of came, that whole like jazz vaudeville thing kind of came to fruition once more people started getting at it. Yeah, and so... Uh, we um, we were going into doing our, our next LP and we had a few people that were sort of around the band giving us, you know, the, the nudge that we should really pursue the sound. I had vocalized that I I had always seen bands sort of do cabaret stuff uh, in shades in other bands that I liked. I think Panic is a good example of that. Uh, Cursive, um, uh, I, even like some bands like Fall Out Boy. I mean, they've yeah, done, yeah, done stuff like that. Sure. Pieces, never yeah. 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 pieces and I, yeah. I had a conversation with Keenan we had sort of had one together where you know we were saying wouldn't it be great if a band really just leaned into this in a way that that we had wanted to hear but hadn't heard um, so that's what inspired us sort of doing strange doings in the night was I really wanted to try to explore that sound now this is sort of where everyone else gets involved so uh, <laughs> I knew Susie from uh, KSU and Courtney from KSU. KSU is Kansas State University, which is the uh, the uh, college that's sort of in the town that we grew up in. Uh, Beth, uh, we kind of just knew from the music scene around here. And they all were session musicians on Strange Doings of the Night initially. Um, and the first person that I asked to be in the band was Susie, <laughs> uh, who, who said no to me twice, by the way. <laughs> Turned me down yet. twice. Um, and then I asked her on a third time, and she finally said yes. So, <laughs> and then we had a violin player. Yeah. <laughs> and we had played like one or two shows uh, with, with us as a four piece uh, plus a drummer. Uh, so I guess a five piece if you're doing math. I don't know why I said that. Uh, I don't, I'm a musician, not a, a mathematician. Oh my God, I said that earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we were playing with Susie on, on violin and we were realizing, okay, yeah, this is, this is the vibe that we need to go for. And that's sort of when the darker aesthetic kind of really came, became realized, this, this vintage-y kind of vibe we started to sort of lean into. And then I think by like the, the second or third show, um, we were already playing with Courtney and Beth anyway as just like live musicians. And I think I had a conversation with Keenan where I was like, we really just need to bring everybody that was on the record into the bands. Um, <laughs> right around that time, too, uh, we had uh, lost our bassist. And Maddox was in a, a band that was around here that we all loved. We had actually played shows with this old band a few times. And we asked him sort of uh, at a photo shoot, actually, if, if he would join the band full time and, <laughs> and pulled him into the photos with us. We, no, uh, we made we made him play a, a release show. Yeah, yeah, he played and a release show on a week's yeah, notice. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a week's notice, he had to learn, like, two songs or whatever. Oh, and in wow. the first rehearsal that he did with all of us, is when he was rehearsing, he had just been rehearsing with Keenan. And, like, so none of us, like, had really met him. and But, like, Keenan hadn't said anything to, like, the negative, so we were just like, I guess it's fine. Yeah. So once they came to the first rehearsal, he was just so fucking solid the whole time. Yeah. And, like, nailed every single song. And we're just like, what's happening? Wasn't yeah. his first show with us Warped Tour, though? No. No, no. it was that release show. His no. second show with us was Warped Tour. <laughs> yeah, Max's second show with us was Warped Tour. Yeah. <laughs> we moved into the fire pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. But, sure. like, after that show, we were just like, super ask him to be in the yeah. band. Uh, speaking so, of Maddox. Wait, there's Maddox. Yay! 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 We were literally just 
talking about you. For the people that are, are listening right now, Maddox has just walked in the door uh, wearing a Patriots jacket. Yeah. He's, a, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> we can talk about that later. But anyway, so so yeah, so Maddox joined. Uh, his second show is, was Warped Tour. And, and what's crazy is we, we've pretty much been this lineup ever since. And, and you know, I, I've told people before, it's kind of wild that you know, I know bands of like three people that are utterly dysfunctional and everyone hates each other. But uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, we've been a band now in this lineup for almost two and a half years, and we only really kind of yeah. we only kind of yeah. hate each other. Yeah. So. <laughs> in a loving way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You get it. Yeah, yeah for sure. You, you sound like a family the way you welcomed <laughs> Maddox in. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it was all part of the plan. We can kind of categorize our relationship with each other yeah. more as a family. Yeah. I will definitely say that we're the type of band where you know we're we're together because we're really loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, off stage, yeah. off stage. Yeah. Off stage and on stage. <laughs> loud. Always. <laughs> <laughs> What? We roll up to a sheets on tour and we're like a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're that group that the employees look out the window and they're like, oh god. Oh no. <laughs> what are we getting yeah. into? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then like we tip well and like every time we leave, they're just like, oh, they were nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're a little weird, a little they were cute. They were fun. They were sweet time. Yeah, yes. for sure. Absolutely. Like you're gonna, we're gonna leave you a mess, but you're gonna have a smile on your face. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really long answer, Scott. Sorry. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, no worries. I love to hear it. Um, and kind of that um, last little tangent about like being able to tell that you're in a group together. I feel like that kind of speaks to the fact that um, the band has creatives created such like a solid aesthetic. Um, I'm curious how that um, kind of like aspect of it came about. You know, I think that part of it was by accident and part of it was, you know, sort of figuring it out as we went along. Um, we're all kind of nerds. So that adds to the, to the benefit of us kind of having an idea for visuals. I mean, I've always been fascinated by old aesthetics and uh, 20s, 30s aesthetics and uh, dark and spooky stuff. I mean, because who who doesn't love dark and spooky stuff? It's mm -hmm. like so fun. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun to dress in that kind of stuff. And you know, I I read an interview once with Jack White of the White Stripes, and he said, you know, he really missed the era when rock bands would dress up for shows. You yeah. Know, and and make it like they were putting on sort of armor to go into things. They would wear suits, or you know, they would it would be over the top. And that's not to disparage bands that that don't do that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I I totally am not knocking that but yeah. I think that um there is something to be said about you know when you go up on stage and you see a band that looks cohesively like they're all on the same page yeah. it makes you feel like you're part of part of a, a show yeah. you know yeah and, and it also I think helps you as a performer too because it, sure. yep, it's it's sure. a physical act of sort of yes. uh, transforming yourself right. to, to become you know like a stage persona and yeah. I've always really appreciated yes. what it does for me as a vocalist because when I get up there I'm not no, I, I don't wear a corset and, you know, a 20s wear, 30s wear, and, and a full face of makeup every day. So I... She said not every day. Not every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a little extra. 
<laughs> so, so, you know, it, it cre I think for all of us, you know, when, we, when we're changing, even if it's a pain in the ass sometimes, especially yeah. when we're on tour, oh, to change oh, into yeah. our stage clothes, oh, gosh, sure. it, it creates such a... It creates such a, a unique uh, experience, I think, for us and yeah. for the audience. Yeah, to see us come yeah. Stage. yeah. yeah. it's just like we're here, and we're re here's what we are yeah. gonna do. Yeah. We're gonna be yeah. weird, and we're gonna be loud, and we're gonna be spooky, we're... and be spooky and weird in love with yes. us. Yes, we're here. We're it's... queer. We're gonna ride our ears out. We're here. We're queer. We're sticky. Yeah. yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Why does that fit so well? But I really, I mean, I really love what you said, Sarah, because I mean, for me personally, I feel like a lot of people, when they see me and Courtney on stage, and you know, we have a string instrument in our hand, they think, oh, it's going to be really beautiful. <laughs> and we're both like headbanging, like basically yeah. almost doing split. People are very confused. You're I'm like, I'm screaming <laughs> yeah. into a microphone, but whenever, before the show starts that process of like, you know, putting on our, our, our clothes, putting yeah. our, our makeup on it, it really just helps transform it. Um, and to me, it just amplifies the show tenfold. Like yeah. we, we got the chance to open up for Motionless and White and their whole uh, stage aesthetic and their whole appearance was just kind of like, oh my gosh, that's what we want to do. Yeah. Because it just, yeah. oh, it yeah. makes you, it, it's not just a concert. It becomes, I know this is like, ooh, hippie, but it becomes an experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All my favorite bands are, are ones that have really cool stage shows. And they sure. I, I've, little known fact, I've been to nine Slipknot concerts in my life. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I love, my parents love Kiss. Um, yeah, and I, I love. War is still one War of the best shows amazing. I've ever seen. Yeah, War, <laughs> uh, Lordy. musically and visually. Um, and then I, I mean, I was a nerd when I was a kid, so I grew up in a lot of Visual K too. So I love like bands Same like Deer and Gray, Malice Miser, Versailles. So all those bands. I mean, when I watched their stage shows, I, I, you know, that was such an inspiration for yeah. how I wanted to play music. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know what you mean about like the difference between like a concert and a show like yeah. um i think it was like last year or two years ago um andrew mcmahon did like um it was like an evening with andrew mcmahon and he had like a set and it was like he was like mr rogers he like took he sang the yeah. theme song at the beginning and took off his jacket and like had his friends popping by and stuff and it was like you know a really cool like special experience um and i'm cu i'm curious like how like where is as far as like your aspirations for like a stage show like where are you now versus where is like your pie in the sky dream of like what you could do on stage i mean you do not oh, want to give us a budget because we would go crazy <laughs> yep, with that. I, but, I was uh, just I, so yeah, I, I literally was just about to say like we need to win the lottery because our aspirations and dreams can never have a cap on it because <laughs> we will just yeah. yeah, somehow we're just gonna come up with something more ridiculous. Well, yeah, just think flaming lips, but a badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Mary, like the grand piano coming down out yeah. of the ceiling. Yeah. 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 But it's all of us. <laughs> but yeah. it's all of us. All of us coming all down in our own grand, grand piano. <laughs> <laughs> I want a grand piano. Just yes. six grand pianos and all of us laying down on yeah. the sexy. <laughs> I'm the only one playing. Everyone yeah, she's the only like, yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, let me ask you a question. Have you watched the uh, the, the Taylor Swift uh, Reputation Tour documentary? No, I haven't. Okay, if you, I need you to to watch that because her stage show is insane. Yeah, it's nuts. Oh, yeah. And I was the whole time I watched, I watched it in bed, drunk and uh, <laughs> and not stoned at uh, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, 
just being like, I want to do that. I want snakes coming out yes. of the ceiling. <laughs> so like, yes, so, all the snakes. I mean, I think that right now, you know, for what we are, I mean, obviously we tour and we're usually openers on, on tour. So, you know, there's a, yeah. there's limited capacity for what we can do on a stage. But I think if we ever had a chance to, to do, I mean, honestly, if you couldn't give us enough money to yeah. do a stage show. Like, yeah. um, I read a story once actually about Lady Gaga and how she would spend her own personal income on her first few tours on her stage show because that was what she loved to do was yeah. to make her stage show amazing. Yeah, and I, smart. I mean, I totally sympathize with that. I think all of us, yeah. you know, we love putting a lot into our stage show and I think yeah. we would probably do the same under the same. Yeah, I mean, you just like, saying that reminds me of her paparazzi performance. Yeah. Was it at the VMAs? Mm -hmm. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Like that was, that whole stage show was just absolutely stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for a fact that if we were given the opportunity, um, we would definitely go all out. Now, granted, because we are openers, like Sarah said, we can't do much, but we, we are in the works of finding ways to how we can amp it up. Yeah. Currently, <laughs> and, yeah. And we always, I mean, I think that if you talk to anyone that comes to our show, they know that it's not a typical rock show. I mean, it's kind it's of, not. it's crazy. And like, we really tried, we take a lot of inspiration from bands like War and Lordy and Slipknot and all those bands that put on the show and we want to do the same with ours. So yeah, um, it, it, our, our vibe is that if, if we're opening for a show, we want to be talked about as much as the band that you came to see. Yeah, yeah so. <laughs> for sure. If you haven't picked up Scott, we're all kind of divas. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't let them find that out until you, after you play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so I also kind of wanted to, um, I feel like something that's very prevalent in the music is kind of like a, a dark humor, um, definitely in like Ross yeah. Scotch No Soda, um, when they're like, I knew I, or I knew a sad man told me to keep my chin up, told me to smile more, so I took his teeth. Um, I'm curious yeah. if you could just like kind of, Tell me a little bit about that and how that came to be part of the band. Everyone in the band is staring at okay, me right yeah. now. So, <laughs> yeah. so there's a thing in this band that uh, we kind of had a, a sort of a, a, a comment when we would work on stuff. We would say, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go up to the line, probably cross the line, yeah. and then we're going to determine if we just need to draw a new line where we are. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of bands just we felt in – Maybe the local scene, not going to, you know, name any names or anything, but like just a lot of acts seem to always be just fall shy, just short of where we feel like they should be. Yeah. You know, like they're going, they're, they're giving it the full 80%. And <laughs> come up with lines like that, it's basically us just shouting out things that are like, well, this would be ridiculous. This seems over the top. This seems <laughs> yeah. And then we determine. But is it good? I think, yeah. I think every band has a moment, whether it's in their live show or in the studio, where you have a moment where you're like, should we do that? Like, wouldn't it be crazy if we did that? And a lot of bands, you know, I think that they, they kind of have a moment with their internal wars where they're like, we can't do that. That's crazy. Yeah. And I think it, it's like Keenan said, it's about finding that line of like, which moments do you take where you go, yeah, let's do that, you know, and, yeah. and see what happens. And I think that's when you get the moments like me taking someone's teeth or, you know, <laughs> us doing weird sticks on stage. We, we find those pockets where we can really dig into the humor and it's it's some of my favorite stuff that we do in the oh, band yeah. we try to yet say yes more often than we say no. yeah yeah I mean, we do say no but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or, or we're told yeah. no, or we're told <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah 
like for example, there was a line, uh, a couple lines. It was a verse. I forgot what song it was. Yeah, wasn't it Al Scott? The yeah. second verse. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, it, there's, that was different. Than what that, was was that was that was. Oh no, it's already the one that's coming out. Yeah, there, there's some songs. There are moments, Scott, where we had to, to dial it back because it's a little too crazy. So like, it doesn't always work, yeah. but. But more often than not, we sort of find the uh, the the humor in good ways. The thing is, is that like even if we're on tour and we're exhausted, we can usually get on stage and play a show and laugh at what we're doing. Yeah. Because, yeah. And that's the whole thing is we have a lot of fun laughing at our own humor. So <laughs> awesome, yeah. And um, I guess as far as like you mentioned earlier, the kind of um, dichotomy between like your stage self and your like off stage and like your personal self um yeah. and then you also just kind of like mentioned the idea of like you know not fully taking yourself seriously on stage and stuff i'm curious how um i don't know i guess i feel like so many of the bands that i listen to they don't have that separation so i'm curious how i guess how that separation kind of like came into being um i think well for i can only speak for myself but i think that I, I don't take myself very seriously. And I, I really, one of my biggest pet peeves are people who do. Yep. You know, I think that you have to be able to laugh at yourself. And I mean, the music industry is so silly to begin with, you know? I mean, <laughs> we're a bunch of nerds that get up on stage and, and make Scream. sounds in front yeah. of people. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that I, we, I'm not to name names, but I, I think that we've, we've played with so many bands that, you know, they act like they're saving the world when they show up at a venue and they take themselves so oh seriously. God. And I, I think music is, is great. I mean, it's transformative. It helps people get through mm-hmm. situations and things like that. And that's not to discount anything that people take away from music. But I also think that there's part of, you know, laughing at the theater of it all. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I mean Coming from a classical background, like nothing that anybody does with music nowadays is going to be groundbreaking because it just can't be. So why take it so seriously when you just have fun and make dumb songs with your friends and then like <laughs> see what happens? Because like there, there's too many things happening in anybody's life or in the world where you should take something that is like, could, that just can be so much fun and make it so serious. Like music is fun. Music should be fun. Like, of course, music has stuff to say. Like, artists who have things to say, like, please go and say them. We're not necessarily that band. But <laughs> we're still we're we're still going to have something to say where you're going to be like, oh, what's that mean? <laughs> or like, yeah. let me listen to that again because, like, I'm not sure. Like, that was a cool line. Or like, that was, yeah. a, you know? So, like, we're, we're going to have little bits of, like, brilliance where we want it to be. But we're not going to be like, this is the most amazing music oh, that has <laughs> ever been made. Because, like, I mean... Not Beethoven. We're not Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> no, Beethoven was Beethoven. Okay. Uh, that's why I said Beethoven. He was still pretty fucking metal while he was alive. Yep, yeah, that is very true. And he was always that bitch. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, you, you yourself said you were a fan of like comedians going back that far around like Bonville and all that. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same with like modern day comedians. I mean, once you get up to stuff like Lenny Bruce and all that. It's, they may have had serious things to say. They had serious political commentary, but it always goes down easier with a joke anyway. Yeah. Like you, have to, you can't take yourself so seriously because if you put yourself in the proper historical context, it's impossible to take yourself seriously. So don't. You say it gives the important things you say more importance if it comes in the fact of you being relaxed with yourself and more aware. And, and I think, you know, 
my experience is that when I come on stage, whether or not we want to acknowledge it or not, I'm an open trans person that has a microphone that's a lead singer of a band. There's only, you know, so many people in the music industry that do that. So mm-hmm. my way of disarming audiences is to, you know, entertain them. entertain them and laugh a little bit. You know, that's the last thing people are expecting from me. And I feel like once we do that, you know, people are sort of know they yeah. can relax and chill out. Yeah. And, oh yeah and yeah. know that it's a safe space yeah. for everybody you know and that's important to us <laughs> yeah for sure and i'm curious um we like mentioned a little bit earlier about kind of like your uh label mates on take this to heart and i'm curious kind of like how um does more of your fan base come from like that kind of like diy punk world or from like somewhere else musically and how do um if they're if both sides of those exist within the fan base how do they kind of like approach uh, when they come to your show differently? Well, first, you know, we can say as a band that there is no better home than Take This to Heart. I mean, we have such a respect for our our label mates and, and we love the, the audience that they've, you know, it's sort of, we've been brought into a whole nother family through through signing with them, you know. Yeah, uh, they, they have their own, you know, sort of followers and we've seen that sort of in, in our social media and in playing shows, you know, and why wouldn't there be? I mean, you've got bands like Bad Luck, Jetty Bones. I mean, really cool people that sort of have cultivated their own audience. And we're so lucky that we've gotten to be introduced to them as well. Because yeah. I mean, I would say, being honest, you know, we don't come from a DIY punk world necessarily. I mean, even when the band started, that wasn't, we weren't playing really basement shows or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we're lucky that we get to be, you know, introduced to, to a kid that might like Bad Luck and has never heard a band right. like ours before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on the same token, uh, I mean, I think that, you know, just being who we are and, and the band that we are, before we even signed to take this to heart, we were, you know, had queer kids that were listening to our band, uh, really artistic, sort of nerdy yeah. kids that, that I think appreciated sort of the aesthetic that we were doing and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that, just being an Atlanta band where there's all kinds of different communities that kind of cohabitate yeah. the same space. Yeah. We have different audiences from different places and that's sort of always been the case, yeah. you know, and I think science to take this to heart has only kind of grown that, that weird diverse audience. We love it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I kind of wanted to, I feel like the, the songs that kind of like stood out the most to me, um, would be as like you know as stand out within the discography as just kind of like interesting um for various reasons um i think like dead girls tell no tales formula 666 um and dig a fancy grave i'm curious if you could um like choose one of those and just kind of like let me know like the story behind like how they kind of came together and also like the diverse sounds within them especially well Okay, so Dig a Fancy Grave has a really interesting story behind it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Okay. Actually. So when, like, I, like, uh, like Sarah was saying, when we got together with Susie, we kind of like, you know, jammed out on the sound a little bit, and we were thinking of where we could go with that. And one of those sounds, really briefly, just kind of entertained the idea, was doing some sort of very Eastern European sounding, you know, like uh, Fiddler on the Roof, oompa oompa kind of stuff yeah yeah and uh, so we threw together this demo and had no idea i had no idea what it was going to be we just threw it together it was actually in the same writing session that we came up with uh the louisville shuffle yeah uh, but instead of louisville uh where we worked you know worked on it immediately we kind of shelved uh the riff that would eventually be the main uh verse to dig your fancy grave 
for about a year and a half, maybe. Yeah, it kind of yeah, loomed yeah. over us. Like, we all knew it was yeah. cool, but we didn't really know what to do with it. Yeah, we kept, no, like, cool. kind yeah. of, like, diving into it randomly in practice. We would just start playing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew we liked it. We knew we liked it. Yeah, and then eventually, I forget really what made it click, Ooh. but... Oh, you remember? Okay. Yeah. So once we like really solidified Louisville, mm -hmm. um, we really then kind of took that sound because of the string parts. Mm -hmm. It was very Klezmer. Klezmer. That yeah. it was very like leaning towards Klezmer, and that's when like we started really kind of like okay, if we could do this Louisville, mm -hmm. yeah. how can we make this work for take a fancy grave? And I feel like after we did that, mm -hmm. that's when it's like the pieces started to fall together for it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we stitched it together with just a, like a full-on rock chorus because it's, right? I mean, yeah. it's wide open. And then, uh, but I think the la 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 la's were like that. That was like one of those ideas where we came up with it and we were like, "Yeah, we're okay. We got to do this." Yeah. Um, yeah. There were some weird moments in it because I think there was like a moment between me and Keenan where we got to the bridge and we were like, "Yeah, this has to have like a carnival burger on it, right?" And yeah. like it was like the same thing. Yeah. And all the little sound effects. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah, the sound effects, like, we both were on the same page with that, and so... You'll, it, you'll it, notice there's an elephant in there. There's an yeah. elephant in there, so... And I mean, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier, we don't take ourselves seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally remember when we were recording this in the tiny room that we did, um, our uh, producer, uh, Aaron, who was uh, recording us, he, he said, make it nasty. And me and Courtney <laughs> were just like, no, 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 we were like, you want nasty? We got it. Yeah. And as soon as he, he, you know, he suggested that as a joke. And yeah. then as soon as we did that, we went, oh, that yeah, has yeah. to be it. We were like, yeah. And he just goes, Oh, okay, no. <laughs> there we go. He does a lot. Yeah, he does a lot. Yeah, he begrudgingly sighs and just it ends up being good. We're just like, just trust us. We're gonna make a lot of weird noises, and, and, a lot of <laughs> and then he does. So, so much of of it is sort of this weird just synthesis that all of us have sometimes, where we can all be thinking about something, and it becomes like you mentioned Formula Six Six Six. Like, uh, I think Keenan sent me the riff to that song. And I messaged him, this sounds like a, a demon drag racing song. And he responded, oh, Formula 666. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so, like, we just kind of, like, both were on the same page with, with the direction to take it. And I was living in San Francisco at the time briefly for my job. And Keenan and Beth came out to hang out with me for a little bit. And I remember we were, it was either before or after we had a, we had been out in the city for a while, but we had ended up back in my apartment. After. And we literally wrote the lyrics to, um, to the song pretty much in 30 minutes. Yep. Okay. And we, we had gotten to the bridge with the dialogue and we had laughed about that. We were laughing about it for like the next five hours because we both got to the first <laughs> And we probably said that like 400 times over the oh next like God. five hours. We were, walking, we were walking around San Francisco at like maybe 11 o'clock at night just doing this dialogue part over and over again because we found it so funny. And we were like, we have to song. Like we have to. And that's kind of, I mean, that's how it all kind of happens. Like, yeah. we just, we write things, and it, we usually know it's going to be a song if, like, me and Keenan like, are sort of on the same page of, like, finding something equally hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love how kind of, like, uh, kind of, like, spur of the moment, it sounds like a lot of that stuff comes together for you. 
Yeah, it, it's spooky sometimes. There's some songs yeah. that are on the new album that me and Keenan and then the rest of the band, but like we all wrote sort of within the last maybe like 48 hours before mm -hmm. we ended up going up to Cleveland. And they're some of my favorite songs. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beth and I were in another room writing our parts to some song and they came down and like started playing it. And it was just like, yeah, that's going on the record. 100%. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, they had written it like half an hour, if that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was yeah. just like, boom, there it is. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes a lot of it also happens in the middle of us recording. Yeah. Like, um, for example, I remember one medley, we were like one line for the violin we were doing, and I messed it up, but it sounded better when I messed it up. So we went with that direction. <laughs> uh, so it's a lot of spur in the moments, but I feel like us as people, we're, we're kind of like that. Like we toured one day, oh, one day, we toured one time, and um, we stopped in uh, Lake Park, Georgia, <laughs> and um, we just randomly came up with a, a little jingle for Lake Park. I mean, literally sang it for like 30 million hours. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> for people who don't know, Lake Park is um, not a city of many people or many things, um, <laughs> but, but they were very nice there. We people have, are things. <laughs> But we wrote like we, we we probably have a whole album ready to record about songs about Lake Park that we wrote in our Motel Six motel room that night. Yep. So, yeah. So basically, Scott, what we're saying is that we're all crazy. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just like pondering this. Like I just thought like we all have like full time jobs where like we're all doing like big kid thing like big people things. So like. The last, like the last thing we want to do is we're like let's make serious music like fuck <laughs> that i had such a hard monday you had a hard monday you had a hard monday let's write a stupid song you <laughs> 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 need to put that to something and we just put that energy towards music and let's write a song about pirates why not? Yeah. <laughs> that we don't like to play live that we have to play live now. <laughs> and it's not that we don't like the song it's, we, just, it's just a hard song yeah we wrote a hard song out. for ourselves yeah. yeah. you have a scoop right now scott we hate playing that to oh, Play it because if we try not to, kids will yell in the audience. Yeah, we have to play it. We love the song. I don't hate the song. I love it. Like, you know, yeah. like, this is a great song. Yeah. And yeah. then playing it, I'm like, why did we do this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the Oh, yeah. this is so beautiful and then we get to it in rehearsal and we're like oh, why the fuck did we write yeah. this this is awful <laughs> and the other person in the band that actually loves playing that song i'm always like yes oh yes. same here Are you no yeah, yeah susie and that is always like, like oh, yeah. yeah me and ben are like no right no right no <laughs> <laughs> but also too scott this kind of touches on a question they asked earlier a lot of our songs are heavily layered in the studio and there's so many things I go to it when it comes to Dead Girl. That song, I think at one point the computer crashed because of the song. Yeah, this one this will mean a lot yeah. to people who aren't familiar with like Pro Tools, but uh that session has three hundred and seven uh tracks in it. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing, Scott, the reason why it only has three hundred was because we couldn't do more than three hundred. Yeah. <laughs> we were gonna do a lot more. At one point he put a fan on his PC because it was overheating. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're not doing anything at all. Yeah, we have a thousand of us. We want to have all the layers. We want to have a huge stage show. What's wrong with us? Why do we need so much? Yeah, everybody's saying all at once. That's fine.
Yeah, definitely doable in this in the uh, live show. <laughs> and I like to kind of uh, wrap up by just asking for either um, like a piece of advice or like something you've been mulling over lately um, that you'd like to share either about like music or just like life in general. Sure. Well, asking us for advice is a terrible that idea. Was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Uh, my biggest advice is that if your play coordinator has already fumbled one Super Bowl, maybe don't don't uh, don't hire him uh, to your other team who's been played in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Probably blow a lead for a second time. Um, beyond that, All right, listen um, very carefully, Scott. A lot, of pe- a lot of people mess this up. Okay, you have to put the line in. The <laughs> Um, yeah, my biggest advice is that if anyone's going to buy Pony Play gear, they should probably buy it from Recon uh, and not Mr. S because uh, they make their their bits out of a more biteable material. Right, 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 right. Or Wish.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think personally for me, I'm, I'm going to make a sappy, sappy. I'm just kidding. No, but um, I, I feel like the biggest question that I've gotten a lot after shows is from people asking me like, how did you get into a band? How did you even, even like find this avenue? Cause I do so much, um, just not only like being part of this amazing band, but like outside of it. And I think the biggest piece of advice that I've been giving to a lot of people and to my students as well, me and Courtney are high school teachers. Well, she's a middle school teacher. I'm, I'm currently teaching out of high school. Is, pray for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pray for Courtney. But also um, just do it. Life is too short to ponder and ask, what would happen if I, you know, picked up a camera one day, maybe wanted to venture into photography, or I kind of want to learn this instrument, just fucking do it. Like, life is too short to not seek out your dreams and not go for them full force. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one thing that that bands always talk to me about is they they ask me for advice on what to do and everything like that, or, you know, what steps they should take to, to move their band forward. Be open to advice if you're a young yeah, musician. Yeah, I was gonna say that. You know, too, there's yeah. um there's a lot of feedback out there and I think that it's it's a trapping of the young musician a lot of the time to be very apprehensive or or be very um, sensitive about the, the criticism or feedback or or advice that they get. Um mm-hmm. I get that because I've been there too. I was in a band at one point, didn't want to listen to anyone tell me that I sucked, but I think that if you're willing to listen to people that are trying to give you good moves and good advice yeah. on, on mm-hmm. stuff to take in the industry, um, it comes from a place of genuinely wanting to help out. Yeah. And I would just say, like, if you're a young musician, you know, listen to that stuff because yeah. a lot of the times, you know, people are right. Trust your gut. But, you know, the best way you can get forward in any industry is to, to learn from the people that have sort of been there before you, yeah. you know? Yeah. So people in bands have this. You know, they read these stories or they see these things in movies where, like, the band is doing what they want to do, and the you know greasy, slick back hair manager is like, "Well, I think you should do this," and they're like, "Fuck you, man! We're gonna do our own thing." It's like that's uh, that's cool, I guess. If that guy's weird, but like when it's, your, <laughs> when it's telling you things, yeah. people who have people that you're you're close with who have achieved things that you would like to achieve, like, no, listen. But the the deal is that. A lot of bands who have gotten to where they are today, bigger bands, have made a lot of compromised decisions. And I know it's a nasty word, but like it's a really important way of achieving success is listening to advice, compromising on what you may think you want to do, and then just by forging a new path from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that um, speaks both that speaks to like the kind of role with it nature of the band that we were kind of talking about before. And um, 
my, my quizzical nature has to have me ask what was either like the most recent or best advice that you've gotten um, via that method. Oh, man. Don't let anyone tell you shit. I'm saying that's something that we all had to learn. Like, yeah, yeah. Fast. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, in this band, you know, we, um, we, in spite of being six really eccentric personalities that have a lot of opinions about art, we have always, you know, especially when the band first started, we took a lot of advice from peers in the industry about directions to take the band, stuff that we didn't necessarily always feel comfortable with, but I'm really glad that we took took their advice because, you know, I think that we would be in a much different place now if, if we hadn't have listened to outside feedback. I mean, yeah. um, we have a our producer, Aaron Pace, who works on Red Hot and Holy. I mean, his, his uh, external perspective on our band has helped us out in so many different ways because oh, yeah. he is, helped us edit songs, uh, look at songs in different dimensions. And I think that's really valuable when you can sort of bring in people that you trust to sort of give you feedback and square it to you straight when, when they might not necessarily be the most kind thing they could say, yeah. Yeah. but the most real thing that they could say. Yeah, yep. sure. build, build a team. And uh, if I could quote the 1975, friends don't lie. <laughs> just, that's yes. the thing. You gotta understand that like, that is an incredibly important part is the trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, learn to take criticism from people that you know genuinely love you, but also learn to kind of keep yourself in check too. You know, a lot of the times, sometimes we can, you know, if I'm having a bad day or something and I say something to a friend and it kind of comes off in the wrong way, well, I know, well, I didn't mean it like that, you know? And also too, like, good friends will stick up for you. Good friends want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to to flounder so if you, you surround yourself with really great loving people they will help you boost yourself up while you do the same for them it's a two-way road yeah It'll definitely push you out of your comfort zone and to do yes. things that you maybe would not be comfortable with at first but sometimes you just got to do that stuff and you got to just keep working at it and listen to the people around you yeah, yeah. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like chocolates. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.